1: hello everyone happy new year we um i haven't seen everyone for almost a month with the holidays i'm kim Hakum, your host if this is your first time tuning into the show welcome Um, Welcome to another episode of And Security for All. We had such a great lineup of speakers in 2021. If you missed any of our speakers, please go check us out on Voice America on the Business Network and any place you like to listen to your podcast, you will find uh, Voice America and you can find And Security for All. So we are here in 2020 year, 20 year, 22, last year seemed to fly like, every year does but all my colleagues and friends in the um, cyber security industry had a very nice holiday gift they had log 4j 2020 we wrapped up with solar winds and now all the security teams are out there bogged down with the log 4j issues my hats are off to all the hard workers out there fighting the continued fight of cybercrime, breaches hacks you name it we're actually going to be talking about um, that today. We're going to be talking about zero trust, how to make real progress in months, not years. Zero trust is such a overwhelming word we see on hashtags all over the place. And let's go back to the basics and talk about, you know, how do we wrap our head around this and how do we you know just just really go back to zero trust what's that mean we're going to discuss tips tricks lessons learned and what to avoid but before i invite my guest in today and i have two guests today i wanted to update everyone on what's going on in the future con world For those of you that may be new listeners, FutureCon puts on cybersecurity conferences all throughout North America. Everything that we're going to do in 2022 is in a hybrid mode. We have roughly about 28 conferences that will be touring throughout North America. We have a few virtuals out there, but we're really trying to move away from virtual, and we want to get back to live events. The good news is, is our live events will always stream and we will always have virtual attendees. The bad news is, is that I'm still, you know, we're still trying to get those people that don't want to leave their house to come out and see us again. We're actually going to be in Dallas on January 20th. And my two guests here today, Banyan Security, they are going to be a sponsor of that event today. We have so many industry cyber um, security leaders that are um, doing keynote. Well, first of all, that event in Dallas, we have some of the best speakers in Dallas um, that are going to be speaking at that event. So if you want to check out that event, please go to our website at futureconevents.com and we would love to see you live or virtual. Um, But... One thing that we launched right in the mid, we started going back to live events around August of 2021. And it's definitely been a struggle getting people to come back out, but people are starting to come back out. And one thing we've decided to do over the next year is celebrate all those hardworking cybersecurity professionals in the industry who are working hard, and they probably feel like they're never getting acknowledged. So each of our events, we're going to be honoring about 30 individuals in each market with a special award and a cocktail reception. And that cocktail reception will go out to all of our cybersecurity attendees that are going to be at each event. We're super excited about that. We really want to try to acknowledge those um, unsung heroes, really, that are out there uh, working hard every day. So if anyone's listening to this and you have somebody in the industry that you think should be nominated for someone that goes above and beyond doing extra you know, their extra work in the industry, please message us because we've been taking nominations for the past year. So today I have two great guests today. I have Dan Jones. He brings a unique mix of leadership and IT implementation experience to Banyan Security as their uh, CSO, which is their Chief Security Officer. And I have Carlos Martinez as the Banyan Security Director of Solutions Architects, beat Architecture. Both of these um, guys came from Cisco, and prior to that, they came from Adobe. So I am excited to welcome my guests today. Welcome, Dan and Carlos.
2: Hey, Kim. Thanks very much for having us, and Happy New Year, everyone.
1: Yeah, Happy New Year. Thanks for being here. So, so guys, tell me, since you... We're both at Adobe. You're we both at Cisco, and now you're both here at Banyan. Um, one of you guys want to take the lead on how that happened and what you guys are doing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I can I can open, and then you know, Carlos can add the fun stuff. Um, so I I was lucky enough to work in Adobe with great careers, both at Adobe and at Cisco, two awesome companies. Um, I ran enterprise security uh in Adobe and then I left Adobe to join Cisco um, in the IT organization where I ran enterprise security there and in both cases um responsible for a lot of the identity and access management stuff a lot of work workforce security um, and then one of the big things in both companies was our organization we were responsible for the zero trust implementation um, and delivering zero trust, as, as you said earlier, in months, not years. And, um, you know, those were two really exciting programs uh, for both companies.
3: Yeah. And and I, I've been focused, right? I'm a practitioner at heart, so um, I was a security engineer at Adobe, really took on, was was excited to hear about this whole new initiative around zero trust and, and what it could do, not only from a security perspective, but how it could enable um, our workforce and really was a big part of that, that rollout out there. And, and when I heard Dan was at Cisco, I was like, well, huh? You guys are, are working, Cisco's working on a similar initiative. So was excited to be part of that. So, um, yeah, it's been, I, I guess we're a package deal at this point, but no, not so much, it's been exciting though.
2: Well, yeah, and
1: go ahead. Sorry, Kim, I
2: was just, yeah, I was just gonna say, so the, but the move to Banyan was, was a really interesting one. So uh during our time in Adobe we became a Banyan customer uh we got to know the the Banyan team we we loved the product and their their strategy and what they've been working on um so as they they've uh they've matured and evolved over over the years uh we were speaking with the co-founders and um you know they they asked us if we wanted to join Banyan in the crusade Um, zero trust as you said you know it's a big marketing term there there's not many people out in the the world who have actually got experience of deploying zero trust especially in that rapid fashion and um, we were just super excited to join you know what i think of is a company that's uniquely placed in the industry and a, a company that has a very compelling story and solution so for us we with great confidence I mean look you don't leave a company like Cisco which is an excellent company to join a company like Banyan without having some faith in the the the, you know the future of Banyan and what, what Banyan's delivering in the the industry so for us it was a not not a leap of faith it was a it was a leap of real enthusiasm and enjoyment of joining such a young um you know future thinking team
1: It's such an interesting, you know, industry that we live in because, you know, I just like you have a million competitors out there that do, you know, the same thing as I do. Fortunately I've been in the industry 20 plus years and had a different company I founded. And so I think that's the same thing with Banyan and all these new companies that are, you know, coming to life is that we have so many great leaders in the industry that are coming from companies like Cisco and, you know, all those other great companies out there and Kaspersky and so many of them that have taken the leadership teams and then, Develop these companies like Banyan. So I don't know a lot about the history of your founders, but is that the case? Where did your founders come from? Um,
2: I don't know, Carlos. You want to jump in on that one? So,
1: so yeah, gi- giant. I can tell you that they
3: all come from deep you know, technical backgrounds, right, where I I can tell you our CEO giant um, comes from VMware, where he was, he was a big part of some of the initial technology out there, and um, was actually was one, one of the mentors was a co-founder. And so they have deep technical networking knowledge. Um, They, the product has actually sort of, have moved or evolved from service to service to more of a focus on user to service. Um, but but yeah, they come from their, you know, Stanford grads and and just come from the the background of, you know, just networking expertise, some identity chops. And yeah, it it all sort of comes together because with this particular zero trust network access solution that Banyan provides, you need a little bit of that versatility, right? Of an endpoint component to proxy uh, solution, identity where proxy, et-, et cetera, et cetera. So it all it's all come together.
1: So before we dive into zero trust and talk about some of these things we're going to talk about today, I do want to remind you guys that the listeners on and security for all not of not all of them are super technical like you guys are. So there may be moments that I'll ask you to break that down a little bit for us so they can understand what we're talking about. But I saw in your uh, bio, Dan, there was a little fun fact in there. So I have to ask you, it said Den released music when it was on vinyl and I definitely Miss vinyl but it says what was that so tell us then
2: <laughs> yeah and yeah i'm glad you said you know not everyone's super technical because i always i always confess i'm not super technical that's why carlos is here um so on on the the vinyl front the music front um i i still am involved in music i write and release and produce music under the name urban punks um oh that's, it's all electronic stuff. You know, I've got a lot of influences over the years, uh, from, you know, the 1980s synth pop bands and things of that nature. Um, but I collect vinyl, you know, I'm a huge vinyl fan and I'll collect everything. I go to antique stores and I find old Beatles stuff, um, Bob Dylan, the doors and anything really that it's it, not in my collection or that I think isn't in the collection. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big vinyl fan, and I did release music. You know, I first the first record I released was in 1994. Um, and uh, you know, I was a young 22 year old kid going around the rave scene, uh, playing gigs and, and stuff like that, which was a very fascinating experience, which is probably good for another podcast, I guess.
1: I know I have so many questions, <laughs> and I don't want to go off there, but I do have one question because I haven't actually heard a vinyl. A record on a radio player, like a, whatever you call them. I mean, I grew up listening to that. So, what's that sound like? I guess it's high tech enough now because they've re, you know, they've redeveloped all that stuff. Is that good sound coming <laughs> out of that?
2: Well, it's it's good sound in my studio because I've I've got really expensive speakers for my music production, uh, but I actually still use uh, the original Technics turntables. Uh, that were built, you know, back in the eighties the and nineties and stuff. Um, so I'm getting that, you know, the little hiss and the crackle and all those things coming through, which is really, you know, for me, it's part of the, the authenticity of having, you know, vinyl as opposed to stream, just streaming music, you know, otherwise Spotify, you know, is, is cool. Uh, so I use that, but I, you know, nothing beats putting on some vinyl.
1: That's awesome. Maybe I'll have a new hobby this year, but I doubt I'm going to have time, but that would be a fun (laughs) one. So anyway, let's go talk about zero trust. And, you know, so much, you you see hashtags all over the place, zero trust, zero trust, zero trust. So, you know, let's just kind of start down, like let's downscale it a little bit and let's talk about what zero trust is. And, And zero trust, you know, one of the things you said is how can you turn an organization into a you know, place where you can implement zero trust in a month and not years. So I would like to hear from you guys and you guys can choose whoever to start. How does a company say it's not even an enterprise level company? Say it's a company with 500 to 1000 employees. You know, what would your advice be in training all of the folks in the corporation how to um, wrap their hands around zero trust?
2: So yeah, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll start and then Carlos can throw in some color here. So let's let's define zero trust, right? So first of all, I have no trust that when you get 20 people in a the room, they'll all have the same thoughts on what zero trust is. Um, so I think that's that, that, that for me is the opener, right? And in our context, I think of zero trust and you know, you can have service to service, but, but for now, let's focus on users accessing applications and services. And the industry traditionally always went along the lines of, we're going to use a username and password that will help us understand who you are. And if you're going to access resources on the inside of our network, you're going to go through a VPN. And in both cases, the experience in doing so, and even the security posture in doing so, um, it's not exactly evolved much over, over many years. So, you know, if you look at the last 15 years, it hasn't really evolved much. Um, we introduced things like multi-factor as part of the identity stack, you know, the, the authentication piece. And then from a VPN thing, there is some posture check that you might do during a VPN. But as a user experience goes, it's not really evolved and it's, it's certainly cumbersome and clunky. So if you can think of it, Let's take the the authentication step and make that simpler, a better user experience. Let's remove the need for the user to VPN in and and, make it easier for them to access those internal apps and services. And, And then very importantly, let's include the posture check of the device because I might have five devices and they all may be at a varying level of security posture. Some of them might not be patched. Some of them might be managed. Some of them may not. Some may not have any endpoint software. Um, and then at the end of the day, you could have one device compromised, but your other four not compromised. So how we handle that as part of that access is, is uh, the thing that I think that has really evolved more and more over the years uh as, as zero trust has become more mature so taking the user context and the device context as part of that access and enabling a smoother access into those apps and services is is a huge huge part of it and then uh, carlos do you want no, to
3: I, I mean that in a nutshell from a user to to service perspective that's that's on point right and and it's it's being Granular in, in, in providing that least privileged access to those resources and, and validating on a per app basis, right? So once you establish that for accessing a specific resource, you're doing that for the next uh, attempt to access another resource. And, and, and that's where some of the traditional methods like VPN just fall short, right? You validate once or you ensure that the user is who they say they are um and and they now have full access to move around laterally so yeah with with zero trust yes we and, and a lot of us are familiar about the security benefits that come with it and 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 as Dan pointed out you know once you start uh establishing that user and device trust you're able to do some really uh, exciting things at least i find them exciting where you can improve that experience for access resources um, you, you move away from the premise that, that you know, you have to be part of a network segment to access these resources. And now, it, because you are now adding other layers of security, you're able to make these uh, resources available without having to connect to um, your network via vpn or anything so you can provide a more I, I i like to say frictionless method of access you're also able to reduce the number of times you're prompting a user for their credentials because you have other means to sort of verify again establish that user and device trust so uh, big user experience benefits uh, I- I- including those security benefits that many of us are aware of from a, a zero trust uh, network perspective.
1: So, we spend so much time on the show and we read so much about the news about all the bad things that have been happening in the industry because they happen every day. So, let's talk about some of the highlights of what you're seeing when people are implementing zero trust in a company's security posture. Give us some examples of what you've seen from bad to good and by, you know, by following your advice can you give us some good examples yeah
3: i mean oh go ahead then if you want to jump oh in you go and- you jump in first then you go yeah, so I I'd say you know one of and, and we by the way you know I've I've had the pleasure of talking to a lot of like my peers in the industry right practitioners that have gone out and have either uh, begun to research uh, getting started in their journey or at, are are well into their journey and and you know one of the biggest things is is that uh, a certain team or or engineer or manager will go off and try to boil the ocean they'll they'll develop a plan and try to deploy this across their organization and 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 the reality is and as dan pointed out earlier once you start introducing this notion that device health matters in order to gain access you'll start to discover that hey um, some of my devices that i didn't know they were in a degraded state or this or that, and it may raise some headaches or cause some unforeseen issues. And so, really, for us, the big one of the big um, tips that we give is like find a specific use case, and and start there, and slowly as you gain that experience, expand and iterate. And, and so that's one of the things is, is you know, really starting, finding that use case and, and, and you know, in, in our previous role, one of the use cases that, that we found was you know, just that, that um, acquisition use case. Um, new users that had to access certain resources and, and we had to provide a method to do that. Now, traditionally you had to go and uh, build infrastructure and connect that infrastructure to the, to, to the company. And, and with zero trust network access, you're actually able to do a lot of that without requiring the old traditional infrastructure methods. So that's one, one sort of tip, uh, Ben.
2: Yeah, and I, I think, well, the, the, one of the things for me, you know, when we've, we've uh, you know done this before, I spend most of my time working with the, the executives, getting the sponsorship, getting the buy-in. And, and one of the things for us that we found was it was really, really important that you did have the, the executive sponsorship and understanding um, you know, their support and their role in this. And then the other thing is, um, it doesn't take an army of people to actually deliver this. What, what we, we continually, when we, we speak with people out in the, the, the industry, you hear a lot of people thinking you have to build a team, spend millions of dollars, and you make a huge investment. And, and as Carlos said, you know, you start small. Um, and, and what we try and say is get get that enthusiasm within the organization. And I always start off with a few stories, Kim. I, I, you know, I say, hey, would, would you love a day where you never have to enter your username and passwords any longer? What, what about a day where you never need to VPN in? Or could you imagine never having to change your passwords every 90 days and, and, and everyone's like, oh yeah, we'd love that. And it's like, well, could you imagine that being real in five months? Because we know we have the ability to deliver that. Carlos and I have got the experience where we have, we have delivered it in months and not years. And, and I think the one thing, when you talk to the CIO, um, the, the CIO conversation is different from the CSO conversation because we'd love to say to the CIO, these are the benefits for your workforce and your experience there even things like reducing service test tickets related to password changes. And then on the CSO front or the security team, you can turn around and say, hey, would, would you like users to not enter their passwords again? But yet in the background, do continuous authentication. Would you like it so that, you know, you, you almost eliminate lateral movement. And also, you know, when you're thinking of your network security and your segmentation, would you like to simplify that? and you know, VPN and in, in today, you know, when most VPNs, when companies build them, they give their full time employees broad access to the network as opposed to just that one application. So we're taking it away from being a an open network VPN scenario to something which is really nice and tight and controlled.
1: So when you go in and you're talking to the CIO or the CISO, and you're trying to implement a product that's going to you know keep their security posture safer how are you um working with them to train the users to follow the rules that most of because there's always one or two bad apples in every organization that can take down the whole company so what's your stance where do you come in with that yeah
2: so the 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 great thing there is you don't have to train your users to enter their passwords less, and you don't have to train their users to not have to use VPN. Um, so that that's a great thing, right? So there's a really low friction um, deployment, and it's a low risk. You know, you, it's it's we we in in both scenarios we found that we actually could under communicate the transition and the change because it was pretty seamless to to the the workforce um but but one of the things when you you start implementing zero trust the way the way that we've done it is we get a position where you'd now decide if you want to enable uh the posture check to prevent the access to an application in which case you do need a good platform that gives a user some acknowledgement back and make it self-service for them to remediate So to your point, Kim, if they have not patched their device and we want that device to be patched before you allow the access to the application, we have the ability to be um, notifying the user that that's where they're not meeting the the requirement and then how do they remediate that so that they can do that themselves without calling it because you don't want, you know, you want that to be self-service. You don't want that to be a, a, a cost burden on it when you start to share this with, with the the cio for example you can turn around and say look here's the financial benefits and and everybody understands there is a cost to password related changes at the service desk and it's a friction for your users so if i turn around and said wait a minute we can reduce password related tickets by 60 or 80 percent is that of interest In- instantly the cio likes that number right they, they like to see that because password related changes are usually in the top 10 count of service test tickets so things like that you know it's it it is a conversation where you get to kind of share you know three big benefits with the CIO and three big security benefits so it's really um it's really it's really cool very rarely in your career Do you get a chance to lead a project where you improve the workforce experience while improving security? And and the zero trust implementation, that's exactly what you get.
1: So I have a question coming more from, you know, I have a really great relationship with many, many great CISOs in the industry because I'm not trying to sell them anything. You know, they're, they're invited to be speakers on my shows and, you know, it's, it's a great, it's just great that I don't have to sell them anything because it's a tough world out there trying to get in front of a CISO. And you see many, many, um, I've seen over the holidays, many you know, prominent CISOs posting things on LinkedIn, you know, yelling at salespeople, stop booking calendar invites on my calendar and blah, blah, blah. Um, How do you, it, it must be such a, A tough world when you have such a strong message that you want to deliver to these, you know, C-level executives. How do you compete with your competitors to get in with them? I know you have your sales team and that's what their job is supposed to be. But what challenges are you seeing with that?
3: You know, one one of the things that I know we and and you're right, Kim, there's a lot of noise out there, right? That's the reality is is zero trust is something that's used everywhere. And, and, And you're also right that, you know, that's not we don't hold that burden necessarily. But what we've done is. Is is we like to get out there, um, and we have in, in meetups or just different peer peer groups where we we try not to touch on the actual product or solution. And, and what we've done is we've gone in and, and talk about just like we're doing here about approaches, what's worked, what hasn't, and and I think for us, um, everyone that we're talking to is just interested. Just generally want want to know what's worked on on your end from a communication standpoint, and and what tactics were really helpful for for ensuring that there's an uptick in adoption, or or when do you uh, start enforcing access uh, to certain resources, etc. So um, on our end, and and then maybe you can you can provide some additional context. But I mean, I I have not seen anybody sort of turn us down uh you know when we've been discussing more from a again from a practitioner approach um on the you know methods for adoption
2: um that's that's... that was go ahead yeah carlos i was just thinking i was just thinking first of all kim i'm really surprised because i thought not every competitor has a Den and Carlos. I mean, I was just thinking. That's the, I'm like, that is is that not the magic secret sauce here? Jeez, I mean, you got Den and Carlos. Show, come on. Um, and then, in all, in all seriousness, I think it's it's uh, one of the unique things about Banyan, which really was exciting for us when we joined, was they actually have a free teams edition. So you know, I I always had an aversion for salespeople, and I apologize up front for any salespeople any sales people watching or listening today, but you know you don't want to have to call a salesperson in order to find out if the secret sauce actually works so the cool thing about banyan is we've actually got a teams edition you don't need to call us you can just go online you can get up and running in 15 minutes and and you can see it work you know so i think of one of the differentiators we have is really our speed of deployment and you know you don't you know you don't need to talk to us and Speak to us about it. You, you can actually try it for yourself, um, and and we will not bug you because you tried it, right? So I think I think that's really really cool, um, and and then yeah, they have a Den and Carlos uh, team, which very few <laughs> of our competitors actually have.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, there's right? only one Den and Carlos, so. There you go. You know, but it it is just because I do deal with hundreds and hundreds of sponsors. And, you know, that's what makes, you know, I I love our sponsors, but everyone's great. And it's just such a competitive world. And, you know, I think that there is a certain due diligence that the chief security officers have to do by looking at all different types of products and services that are out there. But, you know, I can see how they can be so overwhelmed because there is so much out there so what what are you know going back to some of the tips and tricks and lessons learned have there been some lessons learned that you sit down and have discussions with the CISO about this is what we were doing before what do we need to do now what lessons have we learned from what we did wrong and what can we do right
3: you know I, I'd say um, you know some of the the pitfalls that I know we've run into uh, have been, Things like going out and, and using the right terms, even to, to sort of get your users to adopt. So, um, using the term zero trust as an example for your user base, right, has been. Uh, negatively received and so um, you can use other sort of terms to say hey if you want borderless frictionless access this is a new method of of getting out there so so eat small things from like changing that conversation or focusing on the conversation and, and selling and upselling the benefits to your users as you're deploying is is one thing um, another is is really not um not relying on a, a single vendor to to do it all I know vendors will will sort of sell that, you know, they can per, do the identity, the endpoint management, and all these other functions. Uh, the reality is, is enterprises want to integrate. They want best in breed and, and they want all these components to work together. And so uh, really not, not budging from that, right? If you have a, an identity solution that you're using and you're happy with. Um, really resisting the need to like move and transition for uh, this zero trust initiative. So, so those are I know for me are are two sort of things that I always tell people is make sure that when you, when you're communicating out to your users that you have a crisp message and and to leadership as well. And then the other thing is like, hey, make sure that the product you do select.
2: Yeah, it's one one thing, Kim, you know, so as Carlos mentioned, you've got existing investments and it's really, really important that you don't have the, the executives in the company think that they have to go in, buy and invest and throw away their existing investments. So the the the, the important piece of this is when you're looking at solutions, you know, look, look for solutions that integrate really well with the existing investments you have. Um, because ultimately, you know, you you do want best of breed. Uh, well, some people want sweets, but but you know, in my experience, best of breed when you're talking about something like this is is really really important. Um, and then then ultimately, not not. Don't leave with the impression that you need to rip out your VPN. There were, you know, I've never, I've never used that as an excuse or a justification for the zero trust programs that we've led before to say we're going to get rid of VPN. Um, you're, you're more than welcome to look at your VPN options, but I think what really happens over time is your VPN usage starts to reduce. Um, and what's what is important for us and one of the lessons learned was we struggled. In both cases, to understand which applications were the heaviest hitting applications via VPN, that we then say, let's zero trust enable those. So that getting that information and, and transparency into that journey, we, we we managed it, but it but it took a lot of work for us and a lot of heavy lifting to do that. And then I'll close off with: you don't need a big team. The existing people that look after the existing things like the identity stack or the endpoint security stuff you know or the MDM these are the same people that are going to participate in your zero trust effort so you don't have to build a huge team in order to to you know get good results
1: so what do you think you know we've been 2 years in almost 2 years in this COVID world that we live in you know we started seeing people starting to go back to work and now you know companies are going back remote again so what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that the CISOs um you know what do you think they're going through right now with all these changes of people coming back to work and then suddenly they're back home so again um, what advice are you giving to them and how are you staying ahead of that curve of all these changes and something bad can happen? Because once again, here we are quickly going back home again.
2: Yeah. So I'd love to start by by saying, you know, everyone's been home and they're on their home networks and the, the quality and the security of home networks uh, varies so the risk is that you may have infection on your device or you you know you might bring something bad into the office network and because most office networks are are wide open networks so once you get in you think you're safe because you're in your corporate network then if there is anyone with a compromised device or malware then those bad actors will start to spread really quick um so you know so for me The ability to turn your corporate network into a guest network where all you can do is get to the internet i think i think that is a really compelling story for any zero trust you know endeavor um and so so i think that's that's a huge one that's why knowing the posture of the device and the visibility into what they're accessing and and then getting that network so that you can have a huge big wide open you know office network the, that's for me is is really important this year as we're as we're starting to transition back in and back out and back in and you know hopefully everyone gets to return to work soon.
3: Yeah, Dan, I mean, that's exactly what we're hearing from folks. And and as as we discuss, you know, what what the long-term sort of plan is, is 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 I, I think we're all everyone's in agreement that we're moving towards this hybrid world, right? Where and and simplifying the corporate network is something that I know a lot of folks have discussed. So yeah, I came back to your earlier point. I think that is like what does the future look like? I think it's really it's that hybrid world and, and how do you simplify your corporate network so you can apply some of the same, some of the same principles?
1: You know, when things just come out of nowhere. For example, we were we did a wrap-up event in 2021 in um, Atlanta. It was the perfect storm, you know, Omicron and then Log4J, you know, and all of a sudden we're trying to get these people to come back out. What impact do you think Log4J is now going to leave with again going back to zero trust and what can people do to? I mean that just seems like a mess and I can't really wrap my head around the whole log four j thing. But you guys are the experts on that.
2: Yeah, I think um, you know from a networking perspective, you know, making sure you know your egress and the access to these 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 systems internally. That you've really got got that uh, choke point, and you can you know try and block things there. Um, ultimately, it's it's really about developers and instant responders. You know, my hats off to those people who work tirelessly over the break um, because they're they're going to spend a lot of time trying to identify code in older systems, and you know how do you how do you protect those things is, is a challenge I think that's going to be around for a long time.
1: Carlos, I don't know if you had anything you wanted well,
3: to I mean, it, Yeah, it, exactly what Dan said, right? We are not, uh, obviously not out of the woods yet. Um, just people are, are there's, this is going to have a long-term uh, effect for folks, you know, patching and whatnot. So, um yeah there's it's 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 definitely something that that changes you know the view will change the view on like moving forward how you quickly assess and determine how the impact in your organization but
2: um yeah yeah and one one yeah sorry one thing I want to make sure Kim I I'm clear on is uh Banyan you know from our perspective we we have no impact with log4j uh, luckily enough, our founders, uh, one of our co-founders, made great decisions early on with the technology stack that we use. So um, lucky for me and our team that day, you know, we we looked internally and there was nothing to find. Uh, it's not in our stack, so we were pretty delighted by that outcome.
1: We have a really great, it's on our YouTube channel at FutureCon Events. And our last wrap-up, we had uh, James Azar, who is from the Cyber Hub podcast. And we had Homeland Security there. We had a lot of government sector sitting on a panel. And it was right when Log4J came out. And they did an hour talk about it. And one of the things James said is, as cyber security practitioners we're like retail workers at christmas now you know all of a sudden something hits us and we're working hourlessly and we get our time off well i don't know when they ever get their time off but i definitely that that was a bummer for all those people that had to work through the holidays and are still working so um anyway i, I did i had to talk a little bit of log4j because it's still out there and it's still keeping people hands down 24 7 so um but going back over to zero trust can you like kind of tell us going back to some of those examples and some of the things that banyan security is doing when you go into a company and you know how would they even get started with if they're already into something with a different vendor and, you know, I kind of feel like a lot of people, if it's not working, if it's working, don't fix it. So how do you get them to, you know, that scare factor of, Hey, things could change tomorrow. You better protect yourself.
3: Yeah. So uh, what, what I can tell you is that, you know, for organizations and, and practitioners, you know, we all know the end state of where we want to be. Um, it's that transition that is is critical right it's everything and and having the tools that allow you to sort of iterate and i mentioned this earlier is you you find the use clay use case and then you gradually start um expanding and having the tools that enable that is is key and and in particular um you know banyan security does offer um what i feel and 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 was one of the reasons why adobe selected Banyan is because of the versatility and all the different tools that enable you to get started with things like a service tunnel um, where you can have the ability to allow access. And as you gain visibility, then you apply these very granular uh, policies uh, that, that apply zero trust principles. So it's all about, again, finding that versatility, having the, the different capabilities to uh, enable you to transition to that end state.
2: Yeah, and I would say, Kim, um, it's really interesting. We were fortunate that we ran the identity stack, you know, so for the workforce authentication, and it it was pretty easy for us to um, insert into that workflow of the authentication, the, the posture check uh, to ensure that, you know, we we would, as you're authenticating to those apps, we can check the device posture. And, and, you know, this is one of the cool things is if you can sit there and say, I want to just pilot this in a small environment, you can see it working, then that's a really easy way to get up and running. Um, people don't realize like it is actually pretty simple to get started, provided, you know, you, you, you have the flexibility within your identity stack
1: well can you tell me like there are some i've had a couple people on the show that have you know they're trying to completely go to zero passwords you know no passwords but i think it's a little different from what you guys are doing they're you know how how are you guys implementing that i mean i would love like just for example this show right now i hadn't been on this my radio show computer for a month, it took me 20 minutes because I couldn't remember my password that I put in a month ago. So I had to reset everything and it was annoying and I'm just one person. So what are you doing for people to, how, how are you implementing that into corporations?
3: Yeah. So Banyan and there's, you know, the solutions very out there, but Banyan will deploy as part of, as part of the registration process, uh, an ability to establish um the identity of that user and and additionally the the device through use of certificates. So we're able to securely um, not just distribute but also manage the whole life cycle so that you, we're reducing that need for for you as an example to to be presented with your uh, username and password. And so um, that that is how we're doing it um, today with the Banyan solution, and and it's and it's great, right? People are not having getting the, the the continual prompt to enter their credentials plus MFA and and you know rinse and repeat, and 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 it's been it's been really really popular. I, I think people are like, give me more of this. Uh, that's one of the constant. I I would say at, at Adobe and Cisco was one of the number top three items well it was one of the top three items that people would we would never get away with was like why am I being prompted so often as I access the SaaS and on-prem resources
2: yeah I um I mean I've been in the identity game since the mid-90s came right so when people started to talk years ago about single sign-on um it, it was always one of those terms that made me made me feel sick because you're not single signing on really what what happened for so many years in the industry was you'd log into your laptop or your your computer and then then you'd start logging into applications and services and if the application team didn't partner with the identity team into your your um single sign on uh, platform of choice uh, then then the users would have to log into that specific application again. So the, the reality is, is usernames and passwords, it's not that they don't exist any longer, but what you're really trying to do is have them be in the background so that the users don't see or, or are prompted to enter a username and password. Um, but you know, if you look at the, the industry and just where the industry is going, we've not eliminated the username and password. We've just made it less relevant and ideally less in the face of the user. Um, and I, you know, I will always tell people, it's not about single sign-on. I think of it as dynamic authentication. Like we might want you to step up depending on the context of the user, the device. We, we try and, and also have you log in less or see an authentication prompt less because we've got a better trust um, with the user and the device context. So for me, it's 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 really you know it's a it's a very fun time in the industry right now because we're getting to a position where most of the vendors out there, including the the OS and hardware manufacturers, they are doing things that are leveraging you know your biometrics and things of that more, your passwords less, um, and, and it's a you know it's a fun fun time to be in this space.
1: I have Manuel Salas. He is one of our LinkedIn listeners. Uh, thanks. that Our LinkedIn listeners have been super quiet today. We have a lot of them out there. Um, he said, did Mr. Jones work for Adobe as well? And he did. And he said he looks familiar. So I'm not certain, Dan, if you have anything to say on that.
2: Manuel, well, I do look familiar. I mean, I look like very many famous actors out there. Um, so, if you know, if you watch some good movies, I'm sure they've used my face in many of them, I guess. Um, but, yeah, nice to see you, Manuel. Thanks yep. for checking in.
1: So is there a certain, um, and he said, hi, Carlos, so maybe. Hey, hello, sir. Anyway, is there a certain sector, industry sector, that you guys are better for, or is it everyone, your customer, or what do you guys, what do you guys look, what are you guys doing with the industry?
3: Yeah, no, there is no particular vertical that, you know, I would say um, would be more interested than others. Um, We actually have customers across the board. Um, And so, so really everyone is looking, I would say, at, at applying zero trust principles in different use cases some development heavy uh, organizations or just folks that you know really have um just the need to get out there and secure some web applications for Productivity apps, and so I I think for for anyone that as far as the customers that I've engaged with, you know, it just varies across the board. So I wouldn't say that one uh, sort of vertical or industry would be more um, uh, more interested, and that's certainly not what I've seen.
1: Dan, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Because I'm I'm primarily asking that because I'm interested in banks. And especially when you come, they're doing MFA and stuff like that. How how are you working with banks?
2: Yeah, and I, I think you know, it's as Carlos said. There's not one specific vertical, but um, you know, in in the in the banks, you know, specifically, you know, we I I, I don't I don't know as much about our customers as Carlos does um, because he's he's heavily involved with our our customers and the customer success team. Uh, but I think of it like. Um, banks or the financial sector, you know, MFA is vitally important to everything that they're doing. You know, I'm I'm a banking customer, right? So I, I would hate to think of my banking systems or the 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 privileged people uh, that run the systems in the banks. I'd hate to think of them not using uh, multi-factor. I would love to think of them as being a zero trust implementation because it's vitally important that. Especially the people that run those systems, that they're at least looking at the posture check of the devices they're they're coming from, and and I think the whole industries. I mean, so if I just generalize it a little bit, if you think of something like ransomware, like we have the ability with a good zero trust implementation to 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 almost eliminate ransomware spreading across your organization. Um, so I, I look at banks and and other sectors and just say, look. There's not one magic sector, Kim, but we we have the ability to be a zero trust, a good implementation to really combat some of the threats that we're facing right now.
1: Um, we, Manuel's still out there. I, I think he's a jokester out there. He said that he lives in San Jose and you guys used to come and get coffee from him. So yeah, no, we sorry. actually,
2: I think we actually, we certainly did use that Starbucks at Park uh, Plaza because, uh, it was right across from the adobe towers and then, oh. and, you know carlos now you know every now and again you need to leave the office and get some caffeine
1: <laughs> and then eddie royal from dallas thanks eddie for chiming in today you know this is going to happen we're we have about five minutes left and then our we're going to start getting people asking us questions right when we're at the end of the show everyone's still quiet i guess they're trying to wake up from uh, new year's eve right anyway so we are um we're we're coming towards the top of the hour so we still have about 4 minutes left but let me turn it over to you guys and have you both talk a minute about each of you talk a minute about some of the tips tricks lessons learned your advice of how to make 2022 a you know more secure year so you so these these corporations aren't spending 24 seven trying to fix some sort of ransomware, anything that can possibly happen.
3: Yeah. I, so I would say again, um, you know, find that use case in your organization to get started, uh, in your zero trust journey, um, does not have to, you know, impact the entire company. And so really just focus on that one use case, uh, you know, gain experience and, and expand. And, and as Dan pointed out, if you are looking to just kick the tires, uh, just kind of understand, you know, how a product, the zero trust network access product works, or just want with, to, without any, you know, sort of commitments, uh, go to banyansecurity.io, try out the team edition, and you can get started really, really quickly.
2: Yeah, Cam, I think um, the the thing I'd love to leave everyone with is. You know with a good zero trust implementation you can certainly secure and, and protect your environments a lot a lot more right um, that's that's pretty easy uh, to, to take away and then the other thing is if you're really struggling to get started you know come up with a plan but then also you know hey reach out reach out to myself um, if you ever want to hear our stories and and even have us you know talk about your environment we're not, we're not the sales team, so I'm not, I'm not trying to sell. I'm not motivated uh, or commissioned by selling. But I am certainly, as a practitioner, really excited to meet other practitioners and you know help however we can.
1: Are you guys excited to get back out there in person? And I know you're going to be live at our Dallas event on January 20th. How excited are you and how encouraging are you to people to come back out in person?
2: Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, we're we are super excited about the event. Um, we we booked our flights and hotels weeks ago and uh, we can't wait to get there. We would hope we'll see many people out there. And then certainly, you know, ideally we can we can talk, talk some tech and talk about how people can get started.
3: Absolutely. Yes. Can't wait. My wife can't wait to get me out of the house. <laughs>
1: Well, good for you guys that you booked your hotel and flight because I'm running the event. And I haven't done that yet, so <laughs> I better do that when we get off this show. But, guys, thank you so much for spending the last hour with us. I look forward to seeing you guys out in Dallas, Texas, and then you're going to be in Los Angeles. The Super Bowl just moved out of Los Angeles, so let's uh, let's hope well. we're going to see each other in Los Angeles. I'm not, I'm not hanging my hat up yet, so I'm planning yeah. on having that event, but... Um, Thanks again, guys. Carlos Martinez and Den Jones from Banyan Security. Thank you so much for spending this past hour on and security for all. Super excited for next week. I have Tina Piccioni. She is one of the greatest speakers I've ever had. So um, on one of my shows, she is now working for Google. Let me get it correct. She's working for Google Cloud. She took that position last year. So make sure you guys tune in next week because we are going to have a great conversation with tina piccioni thanks again everyone you guys um happy new year again thanks for tuning in and um check us out at futurecon events.com and we will see you next week stay safe stay secure have a good weekend
0: thank you for tuning into and security for all